Hello, I'm Dan. And I'm Simon. And this is the Wikicast, a podcast where Wikipedia takes us to a random article and we talk about what we find. Simon, what are we talking about this week? This week, Dan, uh, you're going to be delighted to learn that we are going to talk about Wasser Am. Ah. Oh. Okay. That's W-A-S-R-A-M, a commercial AM radio station. Uh, it doesn't actually say what W-A-S-R actually stands for. <laughs> W-A-S-R. It's a commercial AM radio station broadcasting a variety hits format with Jack Heath from WGIR Manchester NH and some local talk. God, even just reading that out sounds like radio talk, you know? Amer- American radio hosts have their own very particular vernacular, don't they? Or like a, I, actually, is it? It's not even the vocabulary. It's just like the the rise and fall of a sentence. Yeah, L- very syllable dense. It's almost like listening to something like Spanish. Also, who listen? Does anyone listen to AM radio anymore? My parents do because that's where they broadcast cricket. Right. So uh, it's like Radio Five Long Wave, I think. God, I'm going to have to Google this now. If my parents ever listen to this, they're going to disown me for not knowing this. I think it's Radio 5 Longwave. Um, and that's where they used to... Well, certainly where they used to. I assume they still do. Broadcast uh, the cricket. And that was like the long form of cricket, where it's like six hours to a broadcast. Right. Um, hang on. BBC Longwave. Cricket. Test match special, yeah. If they have my my friend uh, Dr. Rohan Francis, otherwise known as Medlife Crisis, listening in, he's probably very angrily listening to us in his car on the way back from the hospital right now. He listened to the last episode. He was like, I enjoyed your Mars Pathfinder podcast. And I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah, it's not always about that, <laughs> Rohan, um, from the last episode. But he did like it, so that's nice. Hi, Rohan, if you're listening. So I do, I, I'm a bit confused. I'm not actually seeing very much... BBC Radio 4 Longwave. There you go. Different schedule. I see. I don't know how this is different from the normal Radio 4 schedule, but no. there you go. Well, there we go. More importantly, Wasser. Wasser. Do, do tell me more. So, uh, Wasser is licensed to blah, 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 business talk. The stage show is owned by... Oh, my good grief. It's a it's a indigenous North American name. Uh, Winner... Bisauki, Winnipesauki radio station, I'm going to go with, uh, and runs local programming with news from iHeartMedia's Total Traffic and Weather. <laughs> I can't help but slip into the radio yeah. voice. <laughs> I'm not even doing that on purpose. Total Traffic and Weather. In February 2020, news station manager Eric Scott changed the format to variety hits with some local talk, including a live-in call show at noon, a local sports show on Friday afternoons, and a live Catholic mass Sunday mornings. Oh. Oh, at one time, Wasser was an adult standard station. What does that mean? A North American format heard primarily on AM or Class A FM stations. Um, oh, it's nostalgia music, so stuff like Sinatra and stuff like that. Um, oh, carrying Citadel Media's timeless service. Oh my god, it's Games Workshop. Citadel Media. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, don't even get me started down on WhatsApp. So we, we both have a fair bit to talk about. I'm going to put all my cards on the table here, uh, dear readers, and say there's not a huge amount in this article. But Dan and I have a fair bit to talk about in this episode. We so do. We're okay we on do. that. I, I just now want to know what WASR actually stands for, because that's going to bug me. Yeah, it's going to bug me. It's going to... It's broadcast from Wolfborough, New Hampshire. 
So I'm it, the W might be Wolfborough or it might be Winnipesaukee. Uh, I can tell you, however, that the uh, class is D and it broadcasts with a power of 5,000 watts at day and only 137 watts at night. That feels like a very big drop. Yeah. Oh, they're live right now. It's more difficult to hear outside of Wolfborough, uh, apparently, because when it's on 137 watts. Wolfborough, New Hampshire. Here we go. Wasser.net. Uh, they are playing right now. Yeah. They're playing James Taylor and JD Sutherland. I'm going to listen in. Hang on. Nope. <laughs> no, no, thanks. No, thanks. That's that's some American music. Uh, well, it's, it's James Taylor, presumably. Um, no, are you looking at this website as well? Yeah. Where does it say what the what it stands for? It 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 doesn't. Um, which is a bit nuts, really. Presumably, the R stands for radio. The W must stand for what did we? Where did we say it was? I mean, at the bottom it says Winnipesaukee, which is probably not how you pronounce it, but we're going to roll with it. Oh, uh, Wolfborough. Wolfborough. Yeah. Welcome to the new Wasser. Oh, there's a YouTube video. Oh my god. Oh, watch the YouTube video down. This is terrible. Welcome to the new. <laughs> Where's the YouTube video? There's just a section that says Wasser promotional video. Oh, yeah. It's terrible. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Describe what you're seeing, Dan. You're kidding. <laughs> um, I mean, it's like a PowerPoint that's gone a bit OTT on the transitions. It's like a year nine has found out about Microsoft uh, Movie Maker and has decided, what trans what transitions do we want? Yes. Just, it's just put... Everything in what uh, Wolfborough local radio. I still do not know what this that the acronym stands for here. What are the mysteries of the of the wiki cut? Why is it also? It's it's in like a four three square aspect ratio. Yeah. Why? Why? What, uh, so many questions. Who are you people? Oh, they changed songs now. They're playing some Ronnie Millsap. Stranger in my house. Yikes. Or is this just a cry for help? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well. Hey, look, we've learned something today. Oh, and they do podcasts as well. Mike and the Hoss and the Eric Scott Show. God, any any idiot can make a podcast, can't they, Dan? Yeah, I mean, clearly. It's just shocking, the, the, the quality that they'll sync to. I'm looking at their Facebook page now. I'm still trying to find out for our readers at home. This is investigative journalism. Maybe it's Wolfborough and Scion Radio. <laughs> There's loads of... So on the, on the Wikipedia page for... Wasser AM, WASR AM radio. Welcome to WASR 1420 Hz. There's a bit toward the bottom that allows you to list the radio stations in the Lakes region of central New Hampshire. There's loads. Oh my, and, and oh well, who could forget W243DE, presumably the German substation? Yeah, I guess. Or, or Wevo, as it's known. God, this is scintillating, isn't it, Dan? Is this a new low? It, I mean, it could be. Belknap Mountain is the transmitter. Belknap Mountain sounds like somewhere that you go in a choose-your-own-adventure thing to, like, kill an evil <laughs> wizard. <laughs> to go to Belknap Mountain, turn to page 69. <laughs> to go to the pub, turn to page 2. <laughs> you arrive at the pub. They're playing WASRF. <laughs> <laughs> to go back to the mountain, turn to page 69. <laughs> to order wine, go to page 4. Yeah. To order cheese, go to page 109. <laughs> to, no, to order cheese... Turn to page four. You've ordered wine and, and cheese. cheese. You broke the game. I hope you're happy. 
Oh, we could totally write our own. I'd love that if we wrote our own adventure. Or if somebody... I mean, we have had the Wikicast trials, which is like a form of write your own adventure, like choose your own adventure. Mm. But I would love yeah. more of a goosebump style, rapid choice movement. A bit like the um, the fighting fantasy books that they the Yogs do. I took one of those on a on a chapel tour somewhere. Or maybe it wasn't chapel. Maybe it was when I was at school. Going yeah, I remember you telling me about this. It was in Australia. Yeah. Yeah, and I just turned the I turned the fighting fantasy into a kind of D and D esque thing, so people could have their own characters, and I just kept my own track of like hit points, inventories, and things. And we had like a we had like a group of I don't know ten people playing. Obviously, we had to do combat differently, but it was really fun. I think it was. Oh, hang on, let me try and find it. The Warlock of Firetop Mountain. Yeah, that was it. It was brilliant. So this was for those people that don't know. Fighting Fantasy was a series of books. It was a bit like Goosebumps. It was a choose-your-own-adventure, but there was also an element of, as Dan says, it was a bit like D&D. You played a character, and you would roll dice as part of combat. Mm. Uh, and, and other checks, right? It would be like you'd work out what potion the potion seller was going to give you or, or yeah. something like that. Um, and they've been out for... The first volume was, was published in 1982, um, and they were created by Steve Jackson and Ian Livingston. And... Uh, at least Steve Jackson. Yes, they both went on to co-found uh, Games Workshop. Crazy. So they are they are sort of precursors to the same sort of stuff as a uh, Warhammer. Because back in the day, Games Workshop used to do. Um, it's actually amazing if you if you can find like old catalogs. There are. Um, uh, from from Games Workshop, they will have uh, you know the proto Warhammer miniatures, but also miniatures from Doctor Who. Uh, mm. Dungeons and Dragons, Star Trek. There is actually, um, this is taken from uh, Tom and Ben's stream. Um, there is a Warhammer scenario from the 80s where there's a Dalek in it. Oh, wow. <laughs> You're attacking this, this Hamlet and they have a Dalek that they can power up. And it's like, it's not even, oh no, it's like a robot auto automaton. No, it's a Dalek model featured in that catalogue from Doctor Who. So Ian Livingston has been awarded a CBE. That sounds about right, yeah. Which is pretty cool. But it says here, I'm just reading, I'm on the, the Wikipedia page for The Warlock of Firetop Mountain. And it says, as well as launching the fighting fantasy series, the game book inspired two direct sequels, five novels, has been adapted into a board game, an audio drama, and a video game. Wow. An audio drama of The Warlock of Fire. That would be amazing, because you must have a cast. Yeah. But I'm, I'm wondering, like, Warlock of Firetop Mountain game... Is that something that we could... It's on Steam. No way. Yeah, it's on Steam. Oh my God, we should totally play this. Now that is a spongy and electric video waiting to happen. Wow, it looks just nuts. It's from 2016, so it's, a, it's five years out of date, but it looks all right. It doesn't look terrible. <gasps> oh my gosh, it's it's Mac compatible. Yeah, we, we totally yeah. need to play this, Dan. We can do this. Single player. Oh, single player. Well, yeah, but we can have, um, you know how like Simon and Lewis used to do it back in the day. One person plays and the other person spectates. So I, we could just spectate via Steam. Yeah, okay. I'd, I would, I'd happily spectate you because you, you've got a better chance of running the thing. Oh, no, no, I'm sure it would. I mean, it's five years old, Dan. Yeah, I know. But... And, you're the, and you're the dungeon master here. You're the, you're the one that has the, the, you know, the connection to this game. I think you should be the one that, has, that does the honours. If I try and do it, though, my laptop's probably going to try and take off. And I will not be able to record audio at the same time, which sort of defeats the point of a dungeon master. Ah, yeah. Okay, yeah. good point. Okay, well, I mean, if people would like the sound of that, we can absolutely 
Oh, God. It'll be our chance to do a classic Simon and Lewis. Yeah. And, yeah, I'd be, I'd be so up for that. Um, Huge fun. Yeah, let us know. If you'd, if you'd like us to do that, let us know in the Discord, slash in, because uh, there is a Wikicast channel on our Discord. There's always a link. I'm, I'm pointing down below as if this is a video, because I'm just mm. Pavlovian, like, conditioned. Um, yeah, there's always a link in the show notes to the Discord. And you can also email us. Uh, and we'd love to hear from you. Uh, God, you'll hear that later. Um, so the thing that I was going to get to here, Dan, was that um, with Games Workshop and Ian Livingston, also he won a BAFTA. I don't know if you saw that. He won the BAFTA Interactive Special Award, which is pretty cool. Um, wow. But he, um, yeah, he went on to found Games Workshop. Um, actually, I see he went on to found. When was it founded? No, it was founded before. It was in 1975. Gosh. Wow, nearly 50 years old. That's crazy. Um, but basically, the past week was Warhammer Fest. Um, they, uh, they, the Games Workshop did f- six streams, uh, one a day, where they were announcing new stuff. Hmm. Uh, and it was, to put it, I think from the perspective of, of a Warhammer 40,000 player, the biggest show hmm. <laughs> you've ever seen. I mean, to be fair... If you're an Age of Sigmar player, it was pretty good, I think. They announced some pretty... And, and that is the sort of the, the classic kind of fantasy version of, of Warhammer. Yeah. Um, although they did on the last day, they announced a big special announcement was there's a new edition coming out and then they misspelled like the name of one of the races very prominently on the live stream. And it was just like, oh, for God's sakes. Mm. Whereas like, yeah, previously in the week, they were like, we've got so much stuff to show you. We've had to split it over six days. And on one of the days, there was like two new models they they could have easily crammed all this down into like a one day stream, anyway. So that's just, I just needed to get that salt out of me, Dan, because you know there are people who are rapidly skipping ten seconds ahead on their podcast app. I can <laughs> I can feel it. Yeah. Um, but I just needed to get that out because it was a big it was a big deal for me. Okay, it was I was very disappointed because I thought they were going to announce the return of a system called Warmaster, which was normal. Warhammer is about twenty eight millimeters tall, if I remember rightly. Mm. Um, so a typical humanoid you know man woman or whatever will be 28 millimeters tall uh warmaster was a six millimeter scale so they you know you would have on a single base that was perhaps mm. two centimeters long you would have like f- t- potentially 10 little people and the idea was you had these battles with thousands of tiny tiny soldiers but you could also have things like enormous flying dragons you could have you know a master raid cannon and cavalry charges and there is a saying that ben edgar from the yogscast has which is that the smaller the models the bigger the fun Mm. and i am a believer in that i'm looking at i'm looking at images of this warmaster system it does look pretty cool there's something about tiny tiny toys i can't Mm. i I can't put my finger on it (laughs) what it was like did you do you remember micro machines yes wow i mean i wasn't i was never really a car person but they were cool and it was more the fact they came in one massive truck and you would unfold the truck and inside the truck would be a city that you could... Mm. Oh, they were fantastic. And the same thing for model trains. There's something about making something big, small. You know? Yeah. I say that because um, I visited my parents this weekend. We uh, Pixel and I went back to Bath to have a look at a property, which we ended up not liking, but, you know, early days still. Um, and my dad has recently got back into his model trains. And um, it's just wonderful to see this, like, childish glee that he has in, like... 
he's been you know assembling the track and he was like he pointed to a a, a circular bit of narrow gauge track and he was like that took me four hours to build yeah <laughs> and like if i had the space i would absolutely do model trains i i, I used to have all of the um i had wooden plastic and electric thomas the tank engine sets yeah 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 we have um we we had double o gauge i have a percy and a thomas and an annie and a clarabelle yeah uh for that system yeah just awesome i'm looking at now this vintage micro machine star wars releases Ooh. sorry welcome to the nerd cast everyone they look they look pretty cool Micro machines. Here we go. Vintage Star Wars micro machines. Oh, the Java Sand Crawler. Oh yeah. my God. Oh, Fergus, you're gonna have to cut so much of this out. But like, that, I, Dan and I are probably just gonna. Oh, there's a Millennium Falcon. There's a little. <laughs> this is so. <laughs> there's a C three pier. If you go, there's an eBay listing for a Millennium Falcon, uh, which is for nineteen dollars ninety five. Um. And there's like a bunch of minifigures next next to it, and they look so. <laughs> there's a C-3PO with his bottom leg missing, and he's just hopping around, and none of the scales are consistent. There's a there's a Star Wars um, there's a Death Star micro machine, and as you unpack it, the Jazz Trio from the well, it, it unpacks into Mos Eisley Cantina. Hmm. Oh, you mean the Jizz Trio? Yeah, well, I don't know why that's in the Death Star. These are kids' toys, Dan. They don't need to make sense. Well, actually, I think you'll find <laughs> that uh, in Star Wars. <laughs> Good grief. I mean, remember, this is... I'm going to quote Patrick H. Willems here. This is a movie about space wizards for children. Yeah. Like, <laughs> before we get angry emails in. Oh, yeah. Oh, this tiny micro... This is like... What is it about tiny, tiny things? Don't people in the Discord? You're you're thinking of making a joke, and don't do it. I know what joke you're thinking of making, and just you don't need to. I've made it in my head. Wow, there's someone's written an essay about the history of Star Wars micro machines, part one. The essay is titled "Think Big, Play Small." <laughs> Star Wars Micro Machines 1994 to 2002 were one of the top-selling Star Wars toys of the 1990s. Galoob and Hasbro included numerous little ships, figures, play sets and other items in their Star Wars Micro Machines line and after a long slumber, that line has returned with Star Wars The Force Awakens. Wow. Oh, this is kind of cool. But again, there's something about tiny toys. Like, what this is reminding me of is um, there was a place on the island of Skye, which is where I've got some relatives in Scotland, uh, called the Glendale Toy Museum. Mm. And it was full of this kind of... Uh, I don't even... It, it, I mean, obviously, it was full of toys, but it was full of a lot of these tiny plastic kind of toy soldiers but, but you know but also stretching back to like they had toys for the 19th century and um they had so many of these things i think it's the fact that they were from the 80s and 90s mm. those that era of lots of little tiny uh plastic pieces and figurines you know and things like uh poly pockets and um gosh i'm just looking through pictures on the website it's, it's closed now well, it's actually quite sad they had um it was a couple who used to live in their in like a kind of a, a cottage, uh, and it was devastated by a fire in two thousand and two. Um, but then they reopened, and they they were open for a couple of years before they decided to retire. Yeah. But just looking at these pictures, it's so. I'll send you a link on our Discord. I've just found 
And now that we're going on a bit of a toy binge, um, I had this Harry Potter um, levitation game. Right. I've just sent you a link via the face, the facey book. Ah, yep. Like toys were just better <laughs> back in the day, you know. So basically, you'd have like a ping pong ball that would start in a cauldron, and you've got and there would be fans underneath the little like the toy. And then you could change the the kind of oh my god the kind of ferocity of the of these fans kind of blowing the ball, and you've got to work this ball through all these different kind of hoops and challenges, and some would spin, and oh, and yeah, all yeah, while yeah, you yeah. were doing this, Harry would kind of turn with you. He was in the centerpiece, and he would kind of be directing his one to look like he was doing it. But then you'd have a really awful Severus Snape like voice actor, not actually Alan Rickman, teasing you the whole way through. So you'd be. As you'd be kind of going along, you'd have Snape being like, "Concentrate, Potter. <laughs> you're terrible, Potter. You know, like you're nothing. Just... You're just like your father." <laughs> Actually, that is something that Snape would probably say. It was so great. It was so great. Oh, this is so cool. Sorry, just that this is the another toy cast. This is because there's um, the there is a Netflix series called The Toys That Made Us. Which kind of goes behind the scenes. Oh uh, yeah, I've never seen that. I've watched one episode and I wasn't terribly impressed. Is it quite American toys? It's yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, but they had like one on the Star Wars minifigures because like when Star Wars came out, if I remember rightly, they um, they couldn't build toys fast enough, mm. uh, and so sometimes you would get a box uh, for like the action figures specifically, and it wouldn't actually have the action figures in. It would be uh, a certificate that said. You will get an action figure in how many months when they're made. Yeah. Um, and, and it was like kind of the story behind that, and like the the trouble of trying to you know get injection molds made in time for this just totally overwhelming demand. I think nobody imagined that it was ever going to be as successful as it turned out to be. And because it's a a children's film, just stress that one again. Um, you know that that is the pinch was most keenly felt when it came to uh to toys. I mean, it's terrible. This is all plastic consumerism, and it's all going to go in landfill. But oh, there's something about toys, Dan. <laughs> this is reminding me that so I've never done the uh, like the Harry Potter Warner Brothers studio tour. Have you not? Thing in in um, I've never done. I've never been to any. Yeah, I've never been. I've never done like the Universal Studios one. And like, oh, man, I think if we're again another idea for something for Sponge and Electric is. We both go to and do the do the studio tour, and I will just lose my rag. It's funny you should mention that because uh, you know we are hoping to move in the next month or two, um, and we are not a million miles from the Harry Potter tour. Mm. So if you want to do that, I mean, obviously with COVID restrictions, depending. I mean, as of the time of recording, it's a week until we're allowed to go inside, um, and ever everyone in the UK has been living outside exclusively. Um, up until now, but yeah, uh, it, COVID dependent, we could probably fit that in in like the next couple of weeks and film that, mm. and I think that could be a very fun video. <laughs> be well up for that. That'd be brilliant. Oh, just it's gonna be great to be able to finally use all of that Wikicast money that people have been so kindly donating on the on the on the Patreon. Oh, ideas, ideas. Oh, Dan, I want to do a podcast about toys now. This is right. Yeah, let's no, do it. Right. Okay. Let, let Let's do something really boring. Dan, what's your core piece of the week? <laughs> And this will be my piece of the week. Drum roll, please. So, 
my choral piece of the week. It is a particular movement from a mass. However, I think it would be unfair as to kind of not recommend the mass in its entirety. And it's a mess solennelle um, by a chap called, uh, and I'm probably going to get this wrong, but I think it's Naji Hakim. Oh! Now, Naji Hakim took over from Messia at La Trinité. Oh, right, yeah. Uh, church in Paris. So, like, pretty big shoes to fill. You know, Messian. Famously, like, clown feet. Pretty amazing stuff. Now then, Simon, I need to send you a link to this Gloria because he wrote a mess solennel for Manchester Cathedral. Right. Now, when you think of the kind of music this this chap would be writing, bearing in mind that he succeeded Messia, probably going to be something pretty cool, right? When you think of mess solennel, you think of, I don't know, maybe the long lay, maybe the Vienne. The Vienne, yeah. I'm sending you a link now. Mm-hmm. Just listen to the first 30 seconds of, of this, Gloria, from about four minutes. For about four minutes. Okay. Right. Giving a listen now. Oh, I'm immediately at Blackpool. Yeah, right? <laughs> it's just a fairground ride. <laughs> oh, this is great. I can feel myself spinning around. <laughs> it gets more and more ridiculous. Right? And the it's, it's, I mean, I love it. I, 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 I love it. But it is just... It's very kind of Tony Awards, tits and teeth, high kicks from the showgirls, feather boas, you know. Not what you'd expect from a uh, Catholic Gloria. Yeah. It's just, did, you, did you say that he succeeded Messiaen? Yeah. Okay, when was this? When was that? Because Messiaen was a prisoner of war in World War Two, wasn't he? Uh, yes. Naji Hakim was born in 1955. He's Lebanese-French. St- studied under Longley, succeeded Messiaen, and I think you can hear the influences of both of those prolific mm. composers in his setting that he wrote for Manchester Cathedral. Yeah, okay, so, right, so Messiaen was uh, 1908 to 1992. Oh, that's interesting. It says on Messiaen, he found birdsong fascinating, notating birdsongs worldwide and incorporated birdsong transcriptions into his music. Mm. Hmm. Uh, so he must have been there until, I guess, about 1990. Mm. Oh, cool. Wow, that's a. I wouldn't have put him so late in the century, like as active so late in the century. Amazing, but yeah, that is a that's a Blackpool Wurlitzer of a, of a Gloria. <laughs> it's just cool. I think it's really great, and I was so blown away by having been introduced to this particular setting that it would have been wrong of me not to mention it mm. in uh, in my court for my choral piece of the week. Naji Hakim Messel and L for Manchester Cathedral. Check it out. Fantastic. Now, Dan, uh, we're in Critics' Corner, and I think you have something that you would like to critique very much, which is democracy. Yeah, the the electoral system in this country. That's what, that's what we're gonna we're gonna go for. Democracy manifest. <laughs> manifest. It's not so much the the electoral system and the democratic process. It's more working for the system. And I'll tell you why, Simon. Why are we recording this episode about three days later than normal, Dan? Well, this, the reason we're doing it three days later than normal is because I was asleep on Friday at 10.30 when we normally start the podcast because I was very tired, having received a phone call the previous Tuesday, a couple of days before, um, from... In fact, actually, this is a quite a good story in, in and of itself. I had a um, no-caller ID phone 
uh, pop up. On Wait, my... and you you picked it up? Are you? Do you want to die? Well, I picked it up because I was assuming it was going to be kind of like, "Hello, I hear you've been in a, a car accident, and it isn't your fault." <laughs> you know, and it's this automated rubbish. So I kind of picked up with a slightly kind of begrudging, "Hello," and this woman said, "Hello, is that is that Daniel Moore?" I was like, "Oh right, it can't, it's got to be a real person." But it's probably just a cold call because I thought, you know, why would it be no, no caller ID? Um, I said, yes, yes, it is. And then she she then said, I've been given your name, number and address from the home office. <laughs> and I was like, uh, what have I done? <laughs> um, and um, she was she's basically said that somebody who was down to be a polling clerk for the for the local elections, local and regional elections um, on Thursday, 6th of May, um, had pulled out and they needed somebody to step in kind of a bit last minute. Would I be interested? And I remember getting the email to my University of Law email kind of account saying, if you'd like to register as being someone who's willing to kind of volunteer for it, um, do. I was like, okay, yeah, fine. And she she gave me some information. I had to sign a load of documents. And then my Thursday began with my alarm going off at five o'clock in the morning I was then at the church where I was uh, where I was working at that particular local polling station at 6 a.m. And I did not leave. I did not arrive home until 10.30 p.m. It was just monstrous. It was it was a fun process and it was, you know, it was interesting and it paid pretty well. But good grief, what a day. But you were you were the 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 cogs, the caster wheels of democracy, Dan. As the Guardian referred to it in an article I was reading the other day, I was one of the unsung heroes of these election processes, the polling class. Specifically you. The Guardian was like, yeah. Daniel yeah. Moore. <laughs> yeah. What a guy. very good of them, really. They must have got my name, number and address from the uh, cabinet office. So, I mean, uh, is there stuff that you can't talk about here? Like, ba- Basically, like, what was the experience like being, you know, being at the heart of the process? So we worked on a kind of rotation system. There were several different jobs that need to be done on the day. And we were a couple of clerks down, so uh, it meant that we had to kind of rotate on a fairly regular basis. Um, but my um, my presiding officer, who in turn reports to the returning officer for the region, um, was very lovely. Her name was Sam. She was super helpful, really understanding, walked me through everything. Um, and really the job consisted of either manning the door and directing people in and ensuring that distances are maintained and people are wearing masks, etc. Mm-hmm. And then the other jobs were working on the desk where somebody would come in with their um, polling card and you were, if they ideally for some reason on these cards I don't know if you've re- you would have received one fairly recently presumably mm. um, it says you do not need to bring this card to vote yes which is massively unhelpful because <laughs> on that card is your polling number and that's how we find people ah. so rather than be able to look up the polling number and go like oh yeah that's this is you if you don't bring it we can still find you you need to give us the first the street name of your address and then we match we find that address just by looking kind of like alphabetically through a list of all of these addresses and then find your number and then we can find your polling number which is the number we need to write down so there's another person sitting next to you on a desk that has a big sheet that will then write down which ballot paper has been assigned to which polling number. Because mm. when I went, when we went in and voted, I say we because Pixel Girl and I did it as like a couples act, fun couples activity. Mm. Yeah, we just went in and said name and I think it was just name actually. And then they sort of just checked us off a list. But what you're saying is 
it would be a lot faster if, you know, we, we had brought the polling card and they just looked at that instead. Yeah, it's interesting because I think really what they want to encourage is that they don't want people to think, oh, if I don't have my card, I can't go and vote. I won't go and vote. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, you know, you can still you can still vote. It's fine. However, interestingly, I was reading an article just this morning um, about what's meant to be coming out in the Queen's speech at the opening of Parliament. And they, they're thinking of introducing four regional um of or, or is it national it might actually be national for future general elections um britons will have to show photo id to vote yeah which is a very contentious thing it is it is yeah and and in all of the um in all of the trials that have been done um about a quarter of those voters have been turned away yeah. Because either they don't have their passport or if they're younger, they don't have a driving license. And, you know, it's something like 45 percent of black people in the UK, I think is the statistic, don't have a form of photo ID, mm. which is in itself quite an amazing statistic. Um, yeah. I, I am assuming that's because, you know, there there are barriers to getting a form of photo ID, whether they're monetary or administrative, that, mm. you know, are just difficult for people to, to overcome. Yeah. Um, and, you know, by require, I mean, but okay, let me put, let me ask you this. Do you think it is necessary to ask for photo ID, given that you have volunteered doing this? Mm. Would, would your job have been significantly different if people were required to bring photo ID with them? No, not really, because at no point is anyone's personal information written down. Yeah. So at no point do we log a name and address, which is precisely why people are given a, a polling number. Mm. And you do get people who come in and, and, you know, so they might bring their polling card with them and then just leave it on a desk or give it to us as to say, can you, you know, and we have to say, no, no, you need to, you need to keep that and you need to dispose of it safely because it's got your personal information on it, yeah. your name and address. To which some, you know, clever clogs will go, do you mean to say that the information on this card, my name and address, is not, you know, common knowledge? If I wanted to find it, I could go on to Blah and, you know, like, well, yes, you're probably right. But anyway, just take it home with you. <laughs> um, Please, sir. <laughs> but I, I, it w I, I would be curious as to see if, if it is, you know, if the requirement to show photo ID is there, who makes the decision uh, or who can, who checks that that ID is is not counterfeit because it because that will add time into the processing process um which is time that you can't really afford because when things get busy you've got to work quick you know because otherwise the queue just gets longer and longer and longer people get more irritable mm. and you've got you've got to try you know so you, you 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 kind of get to quite a kind of fine art of of being able to kind of you know greet someone grab their number look up their number give them and all and for this election there were three different um, uh, yeah, election papers, you know, because it was for local local councils, regional councils and new police commissioners. Yeah. Which I think is the first time that three have been done on one day. So it was busy day. And it was for us, at least it was two different boxes. And I imagine there are going to be so many spoiled votes because they were put in mm. the wrong box. Yeah, yeah, we had we had three down down near us. Unfortunately, the it was all color coded, but also you then had to check people coming in. You know, if they were if they were an elderly individual to check that their eyesight was all right, or if they weren't color blind, or, or you know any of these things. And at least you weren't in London because apparently they had a phenomenally confusing uh, a ballot design or something like that. Like there was a, a yeah, something like five percent of votes had to be disregarded because. It was it was a crazy percentage had to be disregarded because people just didn't understand how a system worked other than first past the post. That's madness. 
But it was a fun day. I mean, it was a, it was a fun day. It's it's something that I think I would be keen to do again. Yeah. Are there any just just to put a bow on that previous discussion of um, uh, requiring ID? To me, that seems like voter suppression, and it's trying to combat mm. fraud that does not exist. The only electoral mm. fraud that takes place on a meaningful level is large scale pretty much exclusively by like the governing party so at the moment the tories uh, and in the form of stuff like gerrymandering yeah like indivi- i mean you're the person with the boots on the ground experience dan but would it be fair to say that there is not an appreciable level of voter fraud in this country not that not that i encountered in my sing- singular yeah. station but that may differ i mean i would not not be at all surprised if that was different in london say yeah i mean yeah we can only draw on the information the the experiences that we've had but it certainly seems like it's voter suppression plain and simple and i think it's pretty disgusting to be honest but i mean just to just to sort of put a a slightly more uh, positive spin on this are there any interesting stories you can tell from yesterday uh from yesterday wait no sorry um from uh sorry thursday from thursday i was still in the mindset we were recording this on friday (laughs) plenty of interesting stories that happened yesterday on sunday but i can't i couldn't possibly tell you go wickman i know that he's indeed yeah Ooh, let's think Aside from just meeting really curious, interesting characters, which which <laughs> kept things kind of, you know, just at no point did you feel like things were kind of stagnating. We were we were a small team of four working in this in this station and they were all lovely. And it was the same four all day. Yeah. Wow. You must have been sick of each other. <laughs> so you'd work on a rotation of three and then you'd you'd usually try and get a half an hour break every three or four hours. Mm hmm. Um, and then you were allowed one hour-long break, uh, so you could take your lunch, and then it was about half an hour for for dinner. Right. But somebody did come in at five minutes past ten, and we did have to inform them that they would not be able to cast their vote because the ballot boxes had been sealed, and yeah, it was it was too late. And in fairness, it closes at ten on the dot. Like we, there was a timer that went down. We did a little countdown from twenty, and then as soon as it hit twenty, the the ballot boxes were sealed wow and then you, you just to be clear you didn't do the counting or anything this you were you were administering the voting process yeah yeah you you can volunteer or you, you can be someone who works as part of the counting like team you can you can be part of a count which might be something interesting to do uh, at some point you will also have right-wing people yelling at you yeah for for doing your job and if you live in the in london for example have people accusing god i hate just Oh God! People, people are referring to London as Islamistan, yeah. because uh, because Sadiq Khan, who I'm not someone in London who lives in London, I don't particularly know what he has done, but I know that he is not responsible for a lot of the things that people claim he's responsible for, mm. because there's no way he could be, um, and just it, it being such a, a horrid legacy of the Trump presidency of people. Uh, claiming voter fraud, being like, oh, you know, cl- classic. They probably stuffed the the, vo- the ballot boxes because I didn't know a single person who voted for Sadiq Khan. Mm. And it's like, oh, you dense. <laughs> like, uh, sorry, yes, so sorry. That, sorry, I'm just getting that out of me. This is good, Dan. This is like therapy for me. I'm getting, I'm getting these things out of my system. Um, Excellent. That you know, yeah. If you could, you could volunteer to be part of the count. And, and does that start at ten, or does it start the following day? I think it starts the well it i think in this particular round one of those maybe police commissioner was going to try they were going to try and count that that night right and then the other counts were happening on monday i think 
Okay. Um, I mean, it's a pretty uh, amazingly quick turnaround considering how many votes were cast. I mean, do you know how many votes were cast? I can't say. I don't think I'm allowed to say. Oh, okay. But I mean, it's it's at the order of thousands or tens of thousands, right? Yeah. Depend. Yeah, obviously, depending on where you are. Um, but it's certainly, you know, it's impressive the number of people that you get through because you don't really notice it as it because it's a kind of steady trickle with with moments of real busyness through the day. You don't really realize until you get to the end quite how many people you've processed. Yeah, I imagine it does kind of all blur into one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you did a great service to democracy, Dan. I am. Yeah. I am actually. I'm proud of you for. Oh, thanks. For for doing that, I think I think you did a good thing. Tm. <laughs> Speaking of a good thing, we really need to thank some very special people. Us. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Simon. <laughs> thanks. You're oh, great. thanks, Dan. You're... <laughs> oh, oh yeah, the patrons as well. <laughs> So patreon.com forward slash the whiskey cast is the way that people can support the show. You've already heard in this episode some ideas that we'd uh, like to fund using money that you guys have been so kindly donating mm. uh, at patreon.com forward slash the wiki cast. Uh, and basically it pays for all the expenses in regards to the podcast. It pays for our hosting. It's going to pay for potentially uh, getting Dan over to Harry Potter world. It could be a business expense, Dan. It's a business expense. It's a business expense. Fantastic. Uh, and uh, yeah, basically everything to do with the show. And of course, paying our wonderful editor, Fergus, who's presumably also made me sound like a Balrog uh, slash an idiot. Put a bunch of sound effects in here, Fergus. Go wild. Why not? I want, I want to hear an elephant uh, and a uh, car horn from the 1930s. Like a proper... Uh, is there anyone in particular that you'd like to thank, though, Dan? There are several people I would like to thank in particular. Uh, those people are... are... Well, they're, they're, they're top class because they are top dog. Nice. Uh, if you choose to support this podcast, you can you can choose a multitude of supporting methods, but the, the real creme de la creme um, would be to to side for dogs as the superior pet. Which creme de la Edgar, is... more like. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, top dogs. So without further ado, I'd like to say an enormous thank you to Aaron Jorgensen, Alistair Fortune, Adrian Chan, Aaron Carey Augustin, Ben Caples, Ben McMurtry, Colin J. Brown, Eric Bolliger, Eve Sharples, Hasse Hansen, Henry VII, King of England and of France, Lord of Ireland, Jay Wright, Josh Chiaga, uh, Codzo, Lexi at Front Desk, Maggie, Naf Laroch, uh, Peter Reed, Remnar, and Sophia. Thank you so much. Thank you, I guess, for being wrong. I'd like to thank the people that are right. Uh, and there's quite a lot of you, people who support at top cat level. Uh, those people include, well, not just include, they are, uh, Oliver, Violet Hatch, Abu El Ella, the physics boy, Simon P, Jack Easton, Izzy Christie, Nafi Iftikar, Christopher Betterton, Dame Valerie the Third, Layla Medina, Oliver Craigie, Will Jenis Humphreys, Rents Kirk, Oliver Burkhart, Omar Miranda, Colm Mansfield, Princess Andromeda, Chucker Cat, Bendit, Isabella Ostrowski, Matt McGuire, and Daniel Hanvey. Mm. This show couldn't exist without you guys, so basically it's all your fault. That's the end of the section. Perfect. <laughs> Smooth. Yeah, very good. Top lad. Uh, now then. Looking at our inbox, Dan, we have a ton of emails. Oh, wow. We, we do. Uh, including some more unusual sports. I'm going to jump in on one right here uh, because I already know a little bit about this. 
uh, this is an email here from Suhail uh, about Kabaddi. Do you know about Kabaddi, Dan? I don't know about Kabaddi. I only uh, learned about this, I think, this year from a video from... uh, Oh, God, is it Let's Talk About Games? What's the name of the YouTube? People Make Games, that's it. You're also in Standard. Great channel. People should check them out. So I'll read out Suhail's email here. Um, You mentioned in a recent podcast you wanted readers to write in about any unusual sports they play. Although this sport isn't as unusual as some some of the others, hashtag horseball, it's still quite niche, but increasing in popularity both professionally and with university societies. Side note, Dan, um, I'm pretty sure that we actually have been invited to play some sports ball. Sorry, not sports ball, horse ball. Oh my gosh! Um, yeah, uh, on the on the Discord, I'm pretty sure we are being invited to actually play some horse ball, and I I would like to accept. I Dan would like to accept as well. He doesn't get a choice in this. Uh, we're going to make that happen. That's going to be a video, and I cannot wait. Um, so back to back to Suhail. Uh, Kabaddi is an old Indian sport, sometimes described as a cross between schoolyard tag and rugby. I'm sure you can fit a horse in there somehow if you try hard enough. It's played by two teams of seven on a small pitch with two halves, each six and a half metres long. In alternating rounds, each team sends one player, known as the Raider, into the opposing half, where they have to tag, touch, as many of the defenders as they can before returning to their own half. It's the defender's job to stop them, usually by tackling or leg-grabbing them and holding them until they stop making progress. Tackling also counts as a touch, though, so defenders must be decisive in whether to commit to support a teammate if they're going for a tackle. Um, and, oh, I think they've actually missed out the most important bit of this. I'm just skimming ahead. Yeah, so the, the what makes this so exciting is when the raider goes into the other half, mm. they have to constantly say kabaddi. I see. Until they run out of breath. And um, if they run out of breath, they have been caught by the defenders. So it's a question of the defenders tackling the raider and basically pinning them in place until they run out of breath. Mm. Um, so they're going in the other side. You know, you, you step across the threshold going, kabaddy, 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 trying to attack people. Uh, mm. And they're trying to attack you back. Uh, there is a great video. If people search for um, people make games, kabaddy, uh, I'll, I'll send you a link to it, Dan. There's, it's on. Well, it's actually it's on the email if you want to click it yourself. Mm. Great video explaining it. Uh, it looks really exciting. Um, and yeah, big, big, big fan. Um, cool. So uh, yeah, it sounds pretty chaotic and unstructured, but each half is small enough. If you don't have a tight formation, the raider can easily tag you and flop over the line. Our club used to call a player Noodle for this very reason. Um, the point is the defense has to keep tight and bait the raider deeper into their own half so a tackle is less risky. You make the snap decision to all go in for the kill or maybe hold off if it seems the raider will be able to claw themselves back across the halfway line. Anyway, it's 4am and I'm rambling, but it's a really fun sport and there are some good university clubs competing, including one in Oxford. Uh, and then he links to this People Make Games video, which I'll include in the show notes. It's it's an amazing sport and I'd never heard of it before this year. And it's, yeah, big. I'm so happy that someone's written it about it. <laughs> Jeez. That does sound fun. Yeah, right? It's it's a very unusual mechanic. We have an email here from Rhiannon, and Rhiannon's email is titled Festival Recommendation and a Language to Mangle. Two of our favourite things. <laughs> you know us well. Uh, and they say, Dear Dan and Simon, obligatory long-time reader, first-time writer. I've been lurking as part of the Women to Dutch radio on Simon's Twitch. <laughs> okay, you might <laughs> you might not know about this. So, <laughs> we basically noticed one one time that 
we had as many Dutch people as we have women in the Twitch chat. And so there's like this balancing act between if if you join as a Dutch man, you have to find a woman Mm. to balance things out. Ah, Of course, if you are a Dutch woman, you are neutral. (laughs) Yeah, but it's yeah. this strange ratio that's kind of become a thing. So just just to explain what that was, right? Uh, on Simon's Twitch for a while, but I thought I would give you a small festival to go visit. I recommend the IWA Festival of Water. It's over the August Bank Holiday in Worcester, and admission is free, although you can camp for a small price. The Festival of Water is mostly dedicated to narrowboats and canals. Oh my goodness, yes. Although there are usually old-style fairground rides, craft stores, including ale and live music. Quoting from the website, entertainment from the area includes uh, Worcester Ukulele Band... A one-man band that doesn't just uh, that doesn't just sound great. Uh, you can also have a go at driving a digger, and I'm not just plugging this uh, as it's the charity I volunteer for, but I'm plugging it. Um, and if you want to get involved in a one-week camps uh, helping to restore canals, search for Waterway Recovery Group. That sounds cool. Festival of Water. I am adding this to our Wikicast notion. IWA yep. Festival of Water. Festival of Water. Worcester. In Worcester. Amazing. I'm also just going to write down horseball. I also provide a new language for you to butcher. This is a recent attempt at... Oh, gosh. Dan, that's not even in the language. That's just a name. (laughs) Schleichers? Schleichers? Fable. Schleichers, I guess, yeah. Adams, 2009, yeah. Perhaps read the blurb afterwards before you give it a go. Yeah, right. Okay. Uh... Grey house quesio ulnene he est hekion specket hoimnon ge guerum ugom igontrum hi oinom quemech biborohom hoimnon quegmen hoku brontum. I would attempt it as well, but I cannot even read that text. It's in, uh, is it phonemics? Is that the right word? Something like that. It's 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 the version, it's almost like when you see musical chords notated for jazz musicians yeah. and you're like, I have no f-ing clue what that says. <laughs> yeah. The translation is, a sheep that has no wool saw horses. One of them was pulling a heavy wagon, one carrying a big load, and one carrying a man quickly. But what language was it, Dan? Sleicher's fable is reconstructed Proto-Indo-European, the ancestor of most European and Middle Eastern languages. Very cool. It's, yeah. We reckon uh, Proto-Indo-European was spoken approximately 3,500 years ago. Sorry, I can't do numbers. 3,500 years ago. Sleicher's fable is an attempt to make a story out of the words that we can construct from all of the daughter languages. Wow. That's so yeah, cool. Yeah, I, I find it. I find PIE fascinating because it's yeah, almost that's really cool. It's like in Star Trek. There's this idea of um, the uh, common ancestor race that seeded the entire galaxy, which is why kind of all aliens look bipedal and have loaf on their heads. Um, and uh, that idea of of a language version of that is so cool. Mm. You know, and how that kind of not degenerated just how it evolved into different languages like romance languages germanic languages um 
and you know oh that's so cool i love linguistics like that yeah please keep up the good work you're getting me through my masters rhiannon thank you so much rhiannon oh that's crystal kimberly ah cool now i have a very exciting email here dan from uh william j dickinson which is oh god this is so cool right so this is entitled space and skips dear messrs clark and moore i'm a relatively new reader but thoroughly enjoying the show so far you must be very Excellent. new. Uh, I figured I would reach out and express my excitement over the discussion of the exp- exploration of Mars in the most recent episode. I work for United Launch Alliance, the company who launched NASA's Perseverance rover to Mars on one of our Atlas V rockets. No way. All right. <laughs> That's so cool. And so I must disclaim that all opinions are my own. I wanted to offer that you left out one of the most exciting parts of the rover's trip, which is its method of landing. Unlike Pathfinder, Perseverance was so heavy that parachutes and airbags wouldn't be enough, so it was lowered onto the surface by a sky crane. That is, a flying crane with rockets on it. That, which no, I, wow. I'm amazed that we didn't mention, because that's exactly what, what they also did with Curiosity. Well, I say exactly. Um, I think it did use some leftover parts, but it's the same technique. Wow. And it, if that isn't the most metal thing you've ever heard... Get, yeah. Uh, like, oh, Ah, humans are amazing sometimes. And then sometimes we wait for the Tories. Sky Crane sounds like a Metallica album. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't it, right? Yeah. Sky Crane. <laughs> Take me out on a trip on a Sky Crane. Yeah. Sky Crane. Um, thanks, Lars. Uh, wow, William J. Dickinson. Already top 10 email. Amazing. Yeah, um, for sure. Finally, I believe you'll be amused to know that Simon's massive tangent about skip rental a few shows back was made even more befuddling for American me as I was driving while listening and couldn't even Google what a skip was. Ah, uh, yeah, of course. <laughs> I saw this on the Discord. A lot of people were very confused <laughs> about what we were talking about. I mean, what would, what, would you, what would you call a skip otherwise? A, a dumpster, I believe. A dumpster. Oh, I guess, yeah. So it's a place where you dump. Skip. Skip container. Skip bin. A uh, term is mostly encountered only in British, Australian, Irish, and New Zealand English. An inexact North American equivalent is dumpster or debris box. That's <laughs> debris box. <laughs> oh, would you go over there, darling, and put it in the debris box? <laughs> Waste paper basket. <laughs> it's like a debris box is what Jasmine is <laughs> in. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm sorry, it's a, du- it's a dumpster or a debris box. <laughs> I kind of, I think there's a, there's a sort of, I don't know, there's a simple charm to skip. There is. It's like the, like a recycling centre can be referred to as just like, I'm going to the dump or I'm, I'm going to the tip. It's another good one. Why is it called the tip? Because you just tip things into it. Yeah, That's simple, it. done. It's like why Americans call, you know, autumn fall because trees fall down. Yeah. Um, yeah. But also, uh, th- that Wikipedia article is 100% written by Gimli and Legolas. Gimli would definitely refer to a skip as a dumpster. Legolas would yeah. refer to it as a debris box. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Bloody elves. Anyway, uh, thanks for the non-tent and best... Bloody, for- bloody elves, oh, said God. Ron. God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you would, you would have known about this. That's a thing now on the Tom and Ben streams. Oh, they stopped doing it recently. Uh, Tom and Ben from the Oxcast do a Warhammer uh, Total War stream, and they've come right. up with the, uh, the Ron Weasley scale, where basically people will donate in and ask them, how many Ron Weasleys will it take to defeat a certain person? Because they've realised that Ron Weasley is like the most overpowered psychic ever. So, for example, how many Ron Weasleys would it take to defeat Mandalorian? Like, one. Because all he'd have to do was the whole, you know, generate slug spell, and he can't take his helmet off. 
Mm. You know, he's just going to choke to death on his own on on the, on the slugs. Um, Sauron just Aki, um, Expelliarmus's mace levitate him right. one one reason mm. uh, and it was like you know the uh, uh abaddon from warhammer Forty Thousand is like well he's got a gun so he's probably gonna mow down like they were then they were like right well, how many dice does he roll per turn but i just mm. i love this idea of the the ron weasley scale <laughs> you just reminded me of it so that's great um anyway yeah bloody elves uh said ron thanks for the non-tent and best regards will aged two and one fiftieth orbital periods of jupiter see I love that that song from a few years ago. Yeah, uh, it's on the um, it's on the Space Crane Sky Crane album, isn't it? No, it was it was by Train. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, thank you very much, Will, for getting in touch. That is amazing. We've got an email here from Alex, and it begins footnote eight, dear footnote one. Hello there, I'm Alex. Wait, 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 wait. Hang on. <laughs> wait. Okay, what is footnote eight? <laughs> Footnote eight. I feel kind of guilty because it's too long and it may t- it may take too long to read. I hope it's not that bad. Okay. Dear footnote one. Footnote one. Actually, shall I read? Shall I read out the footnotes? If you yeah, if you okay. do the main message. So sure. Uh, st- uh, so start that line again. Right. Footnote eight. I feel kind of guilty because it's too long and may take too long to read. I hope it's not that bad. Dear footnote one. Okay. So this was supposed to be written in LaTeX. Footnote two. For everyone who has no idea about LaTeX, it's a text editor. Do not mistake it with the material used for making stuff. It happened. It actually happened to me once while talking about it. Why it's used in maths and physics because it looks cooler. It doesn't, but it's more difficult, so people feel superior. <laughs> Back to footnote one. And was going to be a quantum superposition of one, Simon, two, Dan, and one, Dan, two, Simon, but it was too much work. Footnote three. <laughs> <laughs> I know it. I like this. This is an excellent email. I know it probably is not that much work, but I've just started with LaTeX and have no idea about equations. Back to footnote one. So let's imagine it. End of footnote one. Hello there. (laughs) (laughs) General Kenobi. (laughs) Your footnotes will make a fine addition to my collection. (laughs) I'm from Barango a small town in the Basque country um, in the north of Spain. Oh, cool. I've been a reader of the Wikicast since summer when a friend of mine recommended it and have been enjoying it since then. Last year, when I finished all of your episodes, it felt a bit weird not having more to listen to, but now having a notification for a new episode is quite exciting. Listening to your previous episodes, I had many ideas to write to you about, but I must admit I've forgotten all of them. (laughs) Well, maybe not all of them. I still remember something about Blade Runner 2049, and especially The Last Jedi, footnote 4. The Last Jedi is a better movie than most people give it credit for. Yes, it has some weak moments, like the entire movie, like Canto Bite, but Star Wars has always had them. And everything with Rey, Kylo and Luke and how they explore the Force is fascinating. And the throne zoom is crazy fun. I disagree. Still, just my opinion, completely respectable if you disagree. I do. Also, footnote 5. Footnote 5. In case you haven't noticed, I'm a big Star Wars fan. Brilliant. But I don't know what it was about. First things first, congratulations, Simon, on your book. That's so cool. You deserve it. Thank you. I've pre-ordered it and I can't wait to read it. I hope it will be a great success. And again, it's so cool. You've written a book. I can't wait to finish editing it. Believe me. No one tells you how exhausting book edits are. Second things second. On your last episode, as as of time of writing, you asked us about weird sports we've played. Honestly, I can't come up with any. I'm a very old 20-year-old boy, so my memory is, is no longer what it used to be. But sports are fun. 
So now you may be wondering what's the purpose of this letter, as I had nothing to say about sports. I was wondering that too. That's why I built a super advanced computer with help from some mice and asked what's the purpose of writing, the wikicast and having three different ways of naming chemical components and changing them every year. I'm still waiting for the answer. We'll update you when it finishes computing. <laughs> Alex woke up and chose chaos. Yeah. <laughs> and I love it. Moving on. Moving on, I am, unsurprisingly for this audience, studying physics. I'm in my third year and next course I plan to go on Erasmus to Groningen in the Netherlands. Ah, I've been to Groningen. My application has been cancelled because they had too many of them and I didn't know what to do. No, it's been cancelled due to COVID, surprise. But wait, (laughs) no, I've just received an email right now and saying they're accepting me. (laughs) Babu, good to see you. (laughs) A surprise to be sure, but a welcome one. (laughs) (laughs) I love this email. Yeah. Well, looks like now I'm going to Groningen on Erasmus. Um, So do you have any advice about Erasmus? Dutch life, Dutch education and Dutch cuisine. Thanks. Over to you, Dan. Ooh, Dutch life. Can you cycle? If you can cycle, you'll probably be fine. Dutch education. I went to an international school studying the British curriculum, so not really. Dutch cuisine. um, I like stroopwaffles. Pickled herring is pretty nice. Stroopwaffles are nice. I mean, it's going to be... I think the thing that I will say is I went to Groningen um, and I think I'm right in saying it's basically the most northerly big town Mm. in the Netherlands. Um, Dress, like, bring warm clothes because when I was there, and I think... uh, I think I was there in autumn, to be fair. It was cold. Mm. It was... It was really quite cold. Yeah, autumn and winter in the Netherlands is is proper chilly. But it was a beautiful town. Really beautiful mm. city. I wish I could have stayed there for longer, really. I was only there for a conference. Take time out to go and do some travelling around because it it's great. So like you can you can go to Delft and visit the um pottery works there, um, which is stunning. You can go to uh, the Hague and there's some really cool museums and galleries in the Hague. The Moritz House is probably my favourite, where the girl of girl with the pearl earring is on show. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. We can obviously sing the praises of the Rijksmuseum. Yes, beautiful. Um, I mean, Amsterdam's great. I'm a big fan of Amsterdam. Yeah. We went to that really great pancake place where oh, we yeah, had crazy we, pancakes. And we didn't realise how like prestigious it was until we left and there was a huge queue. Yeah. We were like, oh, we've, uh, well, we basically vis- visited like the primo pancake house. Um, I'm sorry? Of, what? Of Amsterdam. <laughs> That's Pancake House in 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 the in the Dutch. Oh, in the Dutch. <laughs> in the Dutch. Now, in a callback to the past correspondence, it's time for some pronunciation fun. Oh God! I mentioned earlier I'm from the Basque country, so I know Basque. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard about it, but it's pretty interesting. It's not Indo-European, and it's completely unique, with no uh, connections to any other language. Footnote six. Okay, sorry. Scroll down. It's a bit like Welsh then. Because Welsh, I'm pretty sure, is also not based on Proto-Indo-European. Mm. Uh, it has adopted words from other languages, like Latin, but its structure and basic vocabulary is unique. Footnote 7. I'm not an expert. Check Wikipedia or something. I just like languages and, etymol- and etymology. I think that's the last of the footnotes. <laughs> right. And instead of ha- having prepositions, it uses declinations similar to Latin. As I said, a very interesting language. So here's a list of words Dan, and sentences. Dan, what's declination? Declination. Oh, man. It's like first year. Um, oh, Put some crickets in here, Fergus. And and, and a, a countdown clock. Um, oh, hang on. Has he spelt... One eternity later. Are you trying to get out of this question on a technicality? No, I think he means declensions. Okay. I did think. Yeah, a declension, not a 
not a, not a declination. What's a declension, Dan? <laughs> a declen- it's like it's the way that you organise the the um, the conjugation of a of a of a noun or a verb. So, like in Latin, you have nominative, genitive, dative, accusative, ablative, and all of those can either be singular or plural. Right. So when you're conjugating and and working with declensions, it just it's it's the reason why people make fun of kind of like to we to our to um to our bay to our way to our like it's all it's just silly. It's one of the reasons why Latin is just so mental. I think I heard that song in Ibiza once. Yeah, yeah. So it's a system of organizing things, basically. Right. And in Latin, it's nominative, genitive, accusative, ablative, ge- genitive. Yeah, something like that. Sure. Okay, let's go with that. <laughs> Amazing. It uses declensions, uh, similar to Latin, as I said, very interesting language. So here's a list of words and sentences you may try to pronounce. I'm attaching an audio file of me pronouncing them. Okay, right. So... Should we take it in turns? Yeah, okay. You go first. Okay, I'm going to attempt the word for dog. Okay. Sakura. Sakura. I'm going to attempt the word for cat. Katua. Katua. Ah, okay. It's like poetry. It rhymes. Um, yeah. uh, I'm going to go for... What? Uh, oh, okay. I get this. I'm going to attempt to say my name is Simon. Now, hang on. Is it... I'm trying to remember if it's going to be like Northerns because like normally in Spanish, Zed's off. But I think Catalonian Spanish, like Catalan as, mm-hmm. as well, um, is... I think they pronounce them as Zeds, and I know that Basque is not Catalan, but I'm wondering if it's going to be the same. And even even in Spain, the the thuz is is isn't that quite local to Madrid? Well, I think I think like it's, it's well, it's Castilian Spanish, so I think it's basically central and south. I think the further right. north you go, the less likely you are to find the the. Yeah. Th. Um, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and say my name is Simon. Nire Zina Simon da. Nire Zina Alex da. Right, I'm going to try and say forty two. Berogeita B. Berogeita B? Well, that sounded good. It sounded convincing to me. Thanks, man. I'm going to attempt to say Basque language. Euskara. Euskara? Over to you, Dan. I'm going to, I'm going to attempt to say if there hadn't been so many irresponsible emissions in the 20th century, our future wouldn't be in danger. <laughs> no pressure, Dan, but the future of the world may be riding on this. Ogeigaren, Mendian, Enbeste, Isurpen. Adura gaberik egon es balira gure etorkizuna es litzateke irasguan egongo. Ogekaren mendean hainbeste isurpen adura gaberik egon es balira gure etorkizuna es litzateke arrizkuan egongo. That is such a str- like, it's so unlike any language I've heard. Yeah, it's cool. Very cool. Um, Alex goes on to say... <laughs> Bumper episode, folks. From 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 languages to another. Also, I think there hasn't been any fan fiction set in Star Wars. What would be your favourite era for it to take place in? High Republic, prequels, Empire, originals, New Republic, sequels. Oh, God. I can't guarantee anything, but I think it'd be fun. Footnote five. Uh, okay, before the footnote, I'm going to say... Can you imagine, Dan, if we were two clone troopers, but we look the same as we do now? Yeah. We're both... Failed clones. I want us both to be younglings at the Jedi, <laughs> well, at the Jedi like temple. 
Because then, well, the ending's written then, isn't it? Okay, yeah, Clone Wars then. Let's go for that. And then yeah. footnote five. In case you haven't noticed, I'm a big Star Wars fan. <laughs> uh, finally, uh, lately I've been watching some of Simon's old vlogs and I must say that, Dan, you're the highlight of every video you appear in. Lies. Aww. Deception. <laughs> And I don't know if there's anything else I wanted to say in, the, in these last months. Probably yes, but I can't recall anything else at the moment. And it's already a very long and messy email. Footnote eight. I feel kind of guilty because it's too long and may take too long to read. I hope it's not that bad. <laughs> yeah, a double reference. I like that. Looking forward to your next episode. Good luck to both of you on your respective projects. Wait, I forgot to mention, I'm Team Dog. May Blech. the force be with you, Alex. <laughs> oh, goodness. But did they send this on? No, they sent this in April. So they, it was before Star Wars Day. The only way this could have been better. But, good grief, that is a to- another top-tier email. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if anyone is still edit- editing the Wikicast um, uh, like wiki. fan wiki. Yeah. Yeah, but Alex needs uh, like a page for this email. Get this man a page. <laughs> yeah, because it was absolutely brilliant. <laughs> Incredible scenes, everyone. Well done. Another solid episode in the can. So, Simon, what have we learned today? We learned about WASARAM, um, an as-yet undetermined acronym from Winnipesaukee. (laughs) Sounds like a Pokemon. Uh, Winnipesaukee radio station, uh, which is uh, something. It's it's an American radio station, Dan. And then after that, I went on a tangent about Games Workshop. And then we talked about toys. Yeah, loads of cool toys. I mentioned my choral piece of the week. Um, which is that crazy mass, courtesy <laughs> of Naji Hakim, his mess on L written for Manchester Cathedral. And then we talked about Democracy Manifest. Yeah, we did. We did. My 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 time working as a polling clerk for the elections that happened in the UK on Thursday the 6th of May. And the reason why this episode is late, because I was very sleepy. Yeah, bless him. He he earned a rest, I think. And and then we've we followed that up with some absolutely incredible correspondence. Cast iron solid just solid gold emails actually yeah in fact well we must we must say that you as a readership you all have been doing an incredible job with emailing in because there there are always loads to go through so it's always a bit of a struggle to kind of pick and choose which ones we want to read yeah but it's always a joy at the same time so bearing in mind that we read all of the emails we just don't read them all out on on the podcast because we just don't have time yeah but thank you so much um it's 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 the highlight of my week. Simon. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You guys provide so much more content to the show than we do. And that's all for this week's episode. Ah, uh, like idiot. You fell for a classic uh, blunder. <laughs> You've activated my trap card. <laughs> you sunk my battleship. <laughs> Which, catchphrases. Just <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> put all the catchphrases in. Ice to see you. <laughs> And that's all for this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to us on your podcasting service of choice. Join the Discord. May the force be with you. And if you'd like to see our faces, check out our YouTube channel, Spongy and Electric. Favourite childhood tiny toys, election stories, and other thoughts on the show can be sent to us at spongyelectric at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Just to make sure that we don't get any uh, other kind of emails in, Simon said election stories. Yeah, election, election stories. Ed Dunn, I know what you're planning on, sunshine. <laughs> don't you do it. Join us again for another tumble down the wiki rabbit hole. And, and we'll, we'll see, see you, you next, next time. time. Scar